Hey everyone, this is CJ, and before we jump into today's conversation about hiring youth ministry staff without paying them, we want to take a quick second and invite you to join us this fall for the Orange Tour, a 17-city nationwide tour for your entire family ministry team. It's the perfect one-day event to help you get your team on the same page. This year, we'll be exploring how we can do more together as volunteers, leaders, and parents to influence the lives of the next Next generation. Find out more and register your team today at orangetour.org. We can't wait to have you with us. And hey, when you see some of the Rethinking Youth Ministry team out there, whatever city you're in, be sure to give us your best youth ministry side hug. We'll see you there. Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real and honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I'm your host, CJ, and this week I'm joined by Ashley. Hey! Charlie. Hey, friends. And Chef. Hey, everybody. And today on Rethinking Youth Ministry, we're talking about hiring youth ministry staff without paying them. And no, this is not clickbait, I, although it kind of sounds like it is, and maybe it's just a little bit, but we'll get there. We'll get there. But it's the beginning of the year. It's the beginning of our you know ministry year. It's fall. We're heading right into fall. And so many youth leaders right now are just starting to implement all of the plans that they've laid out for their 2018-2019 season. You know, they've got big series planned, unique events, outreach stuff. Uh, maybe they're already thinking about mission trips, parent strategies, and it all looks really good on paper, right? It's like, man, this is going to be awesome until you actually need to start Getting executing it on it. Right. And that's when you realize, oh, I'm one person <laughs> and I need some help. So that's really the heart. 24 of, hours in a right, day. Right, right, yeah, right. On top of that. And I'm working 23 of them, right? That's right. And so that's really what we're talking about today is when you get to that point, you realize I need some help. How do I hire some staff members to help me get all of this done? And also, I don't have a budget to hire them. So <laughs> how's that going to work? So my first question here is for, for the three of you who have worked for a long time in youth and student ministry is, is this even possible? Is it even possible to hire staff without paying them? And what are we really talking about here? Working in a smaller church, you don't have any budget to hire anybody. And so you have to define the roles in your ministry and then how are you going to fill them? Yeah. And so for me, it was always kind of starting with a job description and then what's the commitment level and then taking those job descriptions and identifying people in the church that you felt like might fill that role and then begin to interview the people in your congregation and like a legit interview over coffee conversation and discerning if that's the right person for the role. Because if I'm going to have a staff, right, it has to uh-huh. be the right people, not yeah. just some dude with good hair to be a small group leader. Oh, that's important. Or a beard or, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being inclusive of yes. my beard. <laughs> but I think a lot of times for folks that work in smaller churches, they'll take anyone yeah. and anyone isn't the right person. Uh, that's great. Yeah, I think anyone that's all isn't churches. the right person. All, yeah, like, all size churches do that. I was about to say, well, I worked in a large church. I grew up in a tiny church, but worked in a large church and you never have enough people and you could pay for everything. And at some point this, what we're talking about today is not, not really the clickbait that you were talking about. I mean, really we're talking about a, it's a mind, it's a, it's a state of mind. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a perspective for ministry and that we just have to get good at giving things away, whether you're in a small church or a large church. And by giving them away, I mean, giving them away at a level you would trust a staff member who's paid, you know, to do that job. So you just, you've got to, or you're never going to make it. 
Yeah, I I did that for five years before I actually went on staff at a church. I was the volunteer staff member. Yep. Um, yeah. Which so. most most youth workers in the country are volunteer. Right. Youth right. Workers. Right. Right. Is that how the three of you started as volunteer youth workers, and then you transitioned into full time ministry? Volunteering first. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, would. there was a youth pastor paid, like, and I was just the full time volunteer because he didn't have anyone else on his team. Uh huh. So I was. I signed up to be a small group leader, and then they asked me to come in and do some speaking again, all like volunteer yep. stuff, mm-hmm. and then. Then you start doing a little bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They like wrangle you in once you say yes to one thing, isn't it? I do. It's like the mob. <laughs> Hey, just deliver a package for me. <laughs> you can't Don't get ask out any questions. Later. That's right. Yeah, like, hey, and you're you... doing a podcast at a table 20 years later. Yeah. So once you, the, once the three of you made the transition from volunteer staff to full-time paid staff, once you made that transition, where did you feel the need to hire the most? Maybe that's a good place to start is where, where's that pain point the most that you really need to hire somebody? I think it's going to be depending on your, I mean, if you're, on your own, it's going to be where you're not good at stuff, yep. you know, and if you're with a team, it's going to be where your team, you know, is needs some strengths or whatever. And if you're on, in a bigger church, you're going to find yourself thinking we should hire for that position. But I think it's super important, not only for your church's budget, but and for your leadership, but to think, can this be done by a volunteer? Because mm-hmm. those jobs are the jobs that end up, that the volunteers end up really loving because they're, they're important. I'm really bad at math. Um, I will admit that openly. And so for me in full-time ministry... You have a math volunteer? I had a math volunteer. <laughs> so Miss Linda was a retired 70-something that worked for IBM back in the day. And so she was able to come in and help me with my budget. She was great with spreadsheets. Y'all, I'm terrible with spreadsheets. And she would organize all of the attendance, all the student data... And she did my visa bill for me. Y'all, that's magic. That is magic. It is. It's good. So I think skill set wise, another way to think about it is, you know, what are the things that we're just as a team not getting done well? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in transit, which was the middle school ministry I served at, we made the decision to baptize kids in transit as opposed to like a, we called it a family birthday celebration. It was this thing that the family ministry department took care of. But when we did that, we basically brought on a ton of responsibility. Well, it worked, and it worked great. In fact, we were baptizing more middle schoolers in transit. We're shooting videos um, than Big Church was, you know, baptizing. And Big Church had a department that handled mm-hmm. baptism videos and getting people ready. And, and what, you know, we're in youth ministry, so we had to figure out how to do it. So we actually found a great volunteer who's just, she, she was um, super professional strong, strong Christian. She was uh, a leader in the business world, but she was just one of those welcoming people and organized people. And when we asked her to do that, now think about that. We're asking a volunteer to lead up our baptism process, which is so, so, so important. Mm. And she absolutely killed it. She created systems for us. She was so amazing with the kids. She followed up better than we ever did. She helped, you know, and, um, and the videos would come out, and then she'd have ideas about how we can help kids do videos better and everything else. And we all wanted to do that. We all had the skill set to do that. There was just too much work. And how did so, you identify her to be a team member? Great question. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, she had been around for a little bit, and I think usually that's what, she was a small group leader. Mm-hmm. But we knew her, you know, her background and her, you know, because we 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 were pretty tight with our small group leaders. And as she was rotating off. 
after her eighth grade year, we said, hey, could you try something for a year? We're, we're dying here. We need help. Mm-hmm. And that's an important part of the ask yeah. to be like, hey, I need help. Like this, this is never going to get done. And I'm trusting you with something important. And she jumped at it and she, and she loved it. We like got her an email address, baptism at, you know, and, um, because that's a huge part of your ministry to give away. It, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it, it's not only that, but we're told that it's super important in scripture, right? Absolutely. right? Yeah. And and so, yeah, it was a it was a big decision, but I guess my point is she did it better than any of us and mm. we were all paid. It's so good. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's really good. I was just thinking back to when like starting in a new position and how it's really hard to delegate and give leadership away when you don't actually understand your role yet. Yeah. You know, and if the average youth pastor is only in their role for eight, what is it, 18 months now? Right, right. I would imagine they're still trying to understand their role well enough. You when know, they're so, leaving? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're leaving yeah. and they just understood their, their role. And so I, I wonder if a lot of people fall in that category. And that's why people don't give it away. Well, back to what we started with, two-thirds of the youth workers in this country are, or more. I mean, yeah. they're volunteers and... They're short-termers usually, so nobody knows. You know, nobody really has yeah. a real firm grasp on on what they're doing. So it's mm-hmm. good. I think something you said, Chef, was so key in finding volunteers who act as staff members, and you're not paying them, is that they've been around for a while. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important yeah. because. Yeah. You know, when they stay around, when you right. retain them, that right. means they're more than just you know, serving. They're, they're in it for the they're long invested. haul. They're yeah. invested. They yeah, love totally. the, the vision of it. So I think that that is a huge quality to look for. That's exactly right. When they're invested, they want to make it better. They want right. more And that's what you're looking for, right? right. They, they, those are the people that come up, they might be annoying to you. They come up to you with ideas because they're thinking we can do this better. You know? So we're saying look for the most annoying right. volunteers in your ministry. <laughs> that's right. That's and it's right. a joke, but it's also might be kind of true. Like when those they complain, are yeah. some of the most invested Isn't that people. how you got your job? What? what? <laughs> <laughs> now that you say that, that's exactly how I got my job. Because I was, I was bummed out. That I was like, you guys are doing a terrible job at orientation. Like, <laughs> you've got to do better than that. And they're like, well, will you help us put some stuff together? And... You know, lead song was born. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's really where that, that whole concept came from years and years and years ago. So. so what I'm hearing so far is, hey, you probably need some, some key staff, even if they're unpaid staff mm-hmm. around you to pull off some of, uh, to make your program uh, and your youth ministry as good as it can be, right? You cannot do it all on your own. And maybe one of the best places to start is to ask yourself, what are the things we're not getting done well? And can this be done by someone else? And, and just almost realizing where you do need help and owning that, right? Yeah, no, that's right. And it kind of reminds me of a quote that Reggie, ta- Reggie Joyner talks about in, re- in relation to kids, though. He says, most kids will never feel significant until we give them something significant to do. And I think you could take out the word kids and even yeah. in, in, in yeah. replace that with volunteers and some you know, key adults. Like the, yeah. the more responsibility you give them, the more they're going to step up and feel significant and be invested in your ministry, right? I know I already talked about Miss Linda, but Miss Linda sent me a really great email several months ago and thanked me for allowing her to be part of ministry because she felt useful again. And -hmm. I think we have a lot of churches that have older folks maybe sitting in pews that want to do something that we overlook and Mm -hmm. we don't do the ask. And so I always kind of felt 
like I called Miss Linda too many times a day and asked her to do these things for me, but she was thankful to be a part of something again. Yeah. Well, two things on that. You have a lot of older folks sitting in pews that, um, that need to feel purpose, but mm. they're probably not saying I need something to do. They're saying we need another program. Does that make sense? I mean, that's yes. probably what they're saying, but if you can engage them and say, you know what, I've got something better than a program. Yes. I want you to be part of a program. I need help. That's a great way. One, you eliminate a to-do item in another program that's right. killing you because you don't have time to do that. And two, you're getting those folks engaged in service is discipleship, right? I mean, it's not all of it, but service is, I mean, you will grow when you feel purpose working within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I think that another factor is, is when you want to have a volunteer who acts as a staff person, it's almost, it's almost like there's a difference between a, a youth leader who is dumping it on someone else to make it better versus a youth leader who's like, let's do this shoulder to shoulder and both make mm-hmm. it better. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. You know, and I think that that one motivates your volunteers to do that. And the other one kind of makes them not want to be part of it. Right. Then. Well, cause they're uh, like, they just don't want to do so their let's job. Dig into that. Yeah. Like, why is it that you feel like you need, are they helping you or are they, or are you guys working together? You know what I mean? Does that right. make sense? I guess it's like, hey, I have stuff I don't want to do. Can someone right. else do it? It's not just taking something off your plate. It's, right. Right. It's, We're better together. No. Yes. There you go. <laughs> or it's freeing. It's freeing. You know, I think a volunteer like a Miss Linda, she felt purpose because she freed you up to do something that you could. Absolutely. You could do by something that she knew she could do. And she was filling in the gaps for you and giving you time to go sit down with mm-hmm. kids and sit down with leaders. And that's where she felt purpose because she freed you up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess I love your point, Ashley. I just don't know how to say it clearly. Like, I mean, you've got to ask yourself, what is it? You know, mm-hmm. I guess in the, I'm pitch. guessing Miss Linda probably saw you use your gift and like try to make the ministry better by using their gift. And then she wanted to use her gift. You know, yes. there's a big difference between a place in a ministry and the right place in ministry. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And great. I think finding the right people and the right place for them is going to be what like makes them stay in the long run. Well, and loving yeah. them well and leading them well when they're in those positions. So they do feel more than I'm just a volunteer. Yeah. They yeah. are my team and my staff regardless yeah. if there's a paycheck involved. Mm-hmm. And to what you just said, Charlie, it's it's leading well. It's it's delegating, hey, I need someone to do this, and then leading them as they do that versus delegating and, you know, almost right. ignoring mm-hmm. it from that point on. I don't know what the right word is there either. No, I, chef, think, but. I think what I, I made the mistake three times, I think, to go back to your point, like you're giving them something important to do, and they want to do it, and I felt guilty like I'm asking them to do too much. And and so my I failed at the coach concept about three times. Um, Uh And a coach was, um, we in the big church had all these small group leaders and we didn't have enough groups, directors or staff members Mm -hmm. to really pay it, to be able to relationally pastor the small group leaders. So we needed a layer between our groups, directors, the staff position and our small group. So what do you mean you failed at that three, three times? So um, I, we knew we needed this layer, so I went out and I thought, what do we need in a coach? And I thought, we need experienced small group leaders. We need a, a, a specific job description. And then when I wrote the job description, it was really like very clear and very step-by-step sort of, th- which I think was the right idea because I wanted to be clear about the job descriptions. But the way I wrote the job description, it, there weren't a lot of really important things to do. There were just things to do. Does that make sense? Totally. Tasks. Yes. They were yeah. tasks. It was a task task based. That's a great way to put it. Um, job description. So, 
Um, unfortunately, the lead pastor's wife was one of those coaches, and um, she was excited that there was a job description, but then it just kind of fizzled. I tried again. It kind of fizzled. And then the time it worked was we decided, you know what? Let's just get great mentor-level adults, give them a ratio of small group leaders they can handle, and just cut them loose to pastor on folks. And it, we gave them a job description, but the job description now is much more about pastoring and about development and about people, not about tasks. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's yeah. great. And so it was really the pastor-level folks in your organization you could never afford to pay anyway. You know what I mean? And say, mm-hmm. hey, can mm-hmm. you shepherd this group of 10 or 15 guys or ladies, you know, through the group. And, um, it still works. I mean, that was the beginning of, you know, many other decisions we made when it came to hiring staff, but I, I miss that step too. Even in a small church, when you have so many volunteers, you still need someone to shepherd them well. And when I look back on ministry and and serving in the local church, I miss that step because Mm. developing your leaders is so important, training them and then loving them, appreciating them. I got so caught up in that, that that was a full-time job in itself, let alone the other list of youth pastor duties that one might have in a church. So speaking of other youth pastor duties, Charlie, you know, you, you said you're from a smaller church. We've got we've got big church, you know, represented here as well. How if you go back and put yourself into in in those shoes, how do you think most youth pastors are answering the question, what are the things we're not getting done well? Because we've talked about a few areas, you know, that you might need to hire staff, but how are most youth leaders answering what are the things we're not getting done well? Let's identify some of those and then and then maybe go from there. Like what what areas do we need to be really focusing in on? I don't I feel weird saying this because I feel like there might be a lot of pushback, but there are just some youth pastors that aren't great communicators and training other people in your church to be killer communicators is key. Yeah. Pulling in students that even high school students that you see have something, bringing them in and training them um, and using other people in your congregation that have charisma and can communicate well, why not train them and bring them into your ministry? I think sometimes it's um, an ego thing to mm-hmm. let that piece of your ministry go, but that's an important piece, right? Yeah. The communication to the students. And even if you are a great communicator, uh, I you mean, still got to have a backup, right, right? That and it's you know you might drive yourself into the ground trying to communicate every single Absolutely. week, right? So even just equipping them from even if you're a great communicator. All right, we need some more speakers here, yes. some communicators, uh, teachers on the bench here um, to, to fill in the gaps, right? Because I think we always think, oh, we need to start recruiting small group leaders as key, number one, right? But I, another key role for me was greeters. Greeters was one of the first things I would look for, um, looking for roles to fill in my ministry. And then who else could come in and communicate? Because what if I got ran over? <laughs> well, right. I mean, right. yeah. Well, I love to or use, fall out. <laughs> I love to use other communicators as well. And I found it easier to find people who wanted to communicate than be small group leaders, to be honest. Like, everybody wants to get that microphone, you know? So, but they had to be good. But I love the fact that I could, one, make the small group leader the consistent relationship mm-hmm. in the room by rotating mm-hmm. speakers. Yeah. Two, awesome. I could then make sure that they experience some diversity and race and gender and all those yes. sorts of things and see people like them speak. It also gave me a great opportunity for my staff and my volunteers to really, you know, hey, I'm going to push you. And I know you're nervous to do this, but I think you can do this, which was all part of that culture and, mm-hmm. and so important. And you don't need to be paid no, no, to right. speak. No. Now, you, 
you do, you are responsible to make sure that it's theologically sound. You are responsible to work with that person and, you know, it, because it's your ministry. Can I um, tell a funny story in there? Yeah, I think you should. <laughs> I had, I had a, uh, we trained a leader. Mm-hmm. We looked at their talk. Everything was great. And then he goes to do the closing prayer and he prayed for the poker players of the world. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> the poker players? The poker players of the world. God, we lift them up. I was like, where? And you know, as like, someone was the talk have anything to do with No, and then all of a sudden, this is in his prayer. And you know, as you're someone who's training someone else, and your eyes get you know huge, right? And you yeah. can't get up there fast enough, right? Well, you shouldn't have done that series called Royal Flush. That was just that's where you messed up. That's where. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah, there's always some danger in that, right? Sure, but yeah. I know a lot of youth pastors, maybe even ones listening, are like required to teach a certain amount of times, right. yeah, mm-hmm. that's you know, per month. So they might not even have that freedom. But I loved to build teams um, with the whole coaching model. There was a teaching team, a worship leader team, a hosting team, um, small group leader team, and I think just like the whole reason we create small groups with students is to make a big group of people feel personal. The same mm-hmm. thing's true with volunteers. Totally. Right. It's gonna, yeah. There's a difference between being one of a sea of faces of volunteers and belonging on a team. And so I think you can take the exact same strategy you use with your students and use that with your volunteers, and then you can appoint coaches or yeah. champions yeah. or yeah. leaders for each of those teams. That's awesome. You know, I get small church people all the time ask me, like, you know, how am I going to develop my leadership? Or, you know, you know, if I don't have a team, I really want to get, I want to have employees. And I say all the time, I'm like, it is so much harder to lead a team of volunteers than it is to lead a staff team. Yes. And so if you have volunteers, you are developing your leadership skills and don't, I mean, and you should be, and maybe you're not even thinking about it as leadership. Well, then you're probably not doing a great job, Mm -hmm. but I mean, Mm It is swinging a hammer. It is hard to do. You have to do it on purpose. You know, you have to remind people of things all the time. It's it's such an important leadership development part of your job. And so if you have two or three folks, and I love what you said, Ashley, like it's one thing to show up. It's another thing to be on a team. Yes. Yeah. That's you know? great. Mm-hmm. That's great. So I'm hearing, you know, communicators, greeters. We talked about a baptism team earlier, coaches. And then what Ashley's mentioning, the team leaders of like a, maybe a worship team, hosting team, small group leader team. Like those are some of the roles that you might need. Right in your student ministry, youth mm-hmm. ministry structure. So, and we already talked about, hey, maybe maybe some of those leaders are already in your ministry and it just takes that next step of making that bigger, more significant ask. Like, hey, I need you to step up or, or would you like to step up and own this area? So say all that goes really well, Charlie, right? Okay. Say all that, okay. Everything's running, you, everything's you asked good. 10 of them, all 10 said, yes, we're yes. on and board. They all show up the next Sunday, it's great. Now, fast forward three months later. How do you keep those people motivated to show up and keep investing their best even though you're not paying them? Because sometimes the shine, I don't know if you've noticed, but in ministry, sometimes the shine wears off just a little bit, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the high five on your way in is, I mean, maybe, they're, maybe they just need a little something else that day. And <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't slip them a 20. <laughs> No, can't, can't no. slip them. I don't have a 20 to give <laughs> right, in a small right. church. We can't slip them anything. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Do you know, I guess maybe because I was in a small church and I, and I love the personal touch, I made a cake and cut it in slices, and I took a slice of cake to every one of my volunteers. So I drove to 43 people's home and gave them a piece of cake. You drove to their homes? I drove to their That's home. Commitment. Always, And I did it at Christmas time so they could show okay. off their Christmas decorations. But I wanted to just thank them 
for being a part of what we did. And I hope that you showed up on Christmas morning at all of their houses. <laughs> in your Christmas pajamas. In my pajamas. <laughs> I was thinking in my Christmas Here pajamas. Here is your slice of cake. And I know that's not feasible in a large church. And even for 42 people, I was regretting it about 39. <laughs> I, think, um, I think it is feasible in a large church. That's why we have these layers mm-hmm. of volunteers so they have the personal that's great. touch. Yeah. Because a coach has 15 or 20 right. people that they could do that to. And then we talk to the coaches and we talk about how are you going to do your personal touch. Yeah. I wouldn't tell them how to do the personal touch. Right. I'd ask them. And some people will deliver cakes. You wouldn't direct some them people, to deliver cake? You would make I, that I try optional. to direct as little as possible. <laughs> when, when you've got high, high capacity leaders, it is a much better way to go, hey, I have an idea. What do you guys think? How would we do that versus this is what we need to do? I mean, nobody's inspired by this is what we need to Mm -hmm, do. mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, you can also. Nobody's inspired by here's what you need to do. That's great. I was going to say, you can also pay people with just experience. Like, what Mm -hmm. I mean is, is uh, the reason I stayed around for five years and invested in the all areas that I did in the ministry before I went on staff was because I was learning a lot. And I wanted to understand how to do all these different things. And when they were giving me the opportunities to, that's what made me keep coming back. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like it was the same thing all the time. It was, you know, new responsibilities, make this better. You can lead this. And that eventually led to me going on staff. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't know it at the time that that's what I was training for. They must have known. You fought it for a while. Yeah. I did. <laughs> but you know, there's always great trainings. Either it's an online training that's for free or somebody that hosts something that is really inexpensive. Um, I would take my leaders every year to a lead small night on Orange Tour because it was affordable. And we'd load up the church buses and we would go. And it made them feel so invested in. Of that course. They yeah. love being part of that and experiencing what sometimes youth leaders experience at a conference and allowing them to feel super invested in. And it doesn't have to yeah. be something you pay for. I mean, there's trainings all the time online, right? So, yeah, we were just down at camp training. Ash did last week or this week, I guess, mm-hmm. and I did a couple weeks ago. And same thing. It's like I get to talk to yeah. the volunteers who are working with the kids, and it is so much fun with their youth leaders. And they, they just feel so invested mm-hmm. in it. And it's such a cool thing. The other, another example of that was with my coaches, which were the highest level of volunteer, invite-only sort of thing, we would do a yearly retreat. And I would rent a cabin or two. Actually, I'd rent two side by side. And the men and the women would go up. And um, it was the, the first speech was always, you know, we would get together in a room. I was like, here's the thing. You're the highest level of volunteer in this ministry. We could not do this without you. Everybody write those words down. And you're the, volu- you're the level of volunteer in ministry that we don't just want to work with you to do ministry. We want to ask you and give you time to tell us how we're going to make this ministry better. And so we would just talk about their ideas, listen to their, you know, and a lot of times we didn't do a lot of it, but the fact that we hung out, had quality time, uh, we would cook for them and serve them there. The staff would serve them and they would, they hated it, but they loved it, you know, like quit it, you know, Mm -hmm. and there'd be a nice, you know, a a t-shirt or just a nice gift, a personalized gift. We'd always ask them what their favorite candy is and it would be on their bed when they showed up, that sort of thing. And we, we just went out of our way to make them feel appreciated. I think there's two things that were really obvious to me. I used to work with Chef over at Transit, and two things that I noticed um, right off the bat were the the difference between authentic relationships and surface Mm -hmm. relationships, and volunteers will stay when there's authentic relationships, Mm -hmm. and you just gave a great example of how you can create that. But I think one of the biggest problems in youth ministry is there aren't enough volunteers. I think that yeah. every church leader listening... Are never enough volunteers, right, for sure. Yeah, but what happens when that happens is... 
as the youth leader, your focus is, I need more volunteers. I desperately need more volunteers. And so you're focusing so much on that where what I notice about transit is a lot of times their focus just stayed on their current volunteers. And what would happen yep. is when the focus was on the current volunteers, it moved them from being a fan to a raving fan. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then more volunteers came because they saw the authentic community that was happening yeah, within the totally. ministry. Well, you, your culture is the number one magnet for new volunteers. Yep. And your culture is made up of people. And so, so Darren yeah. Kaiser's book, mm-hmm. you guys, what, what's the name of that Stop book? Recruiting, Start Retaining. It's yeah, such great. a great point. Yeah. Stop Recruiting, Start Retaining. And recruiting you will happen much, much easier. So Ashley, Ashley, before you made your point, I had typed out my notes because I wanted to bring my own point to this too, because I am on the other side. Yeah. I'm a small group leader, which is, uh, I'm not highly paid. So, you know, it's oh. a, I'm a volunteer small group leader. Just, Are you getting cake? Right? <laughs> you know what? Uh, no one's driven to my house to deliver cake, that but m- maybe that maybe that's coming. Maybe You do have a leader room that has bagels, that's, donuts, that, No, that's oh. true. Yeah, so it is true. Every week <laughs> I've, got, I've got that. I've which got we that. found out was important when we tried to change it. <laughs> Ooh. But the uh, the point I was going to make is that I had typed out, make sure you have a personal relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Because I think I was thinking, what keeps me invested? What keeps yeah. me coming back? Is it the free t-shirts? Is it the bagels? And yeah, that's all great stuff. That's <laughs> that's nice, right? I've got I've got you know seventy five transit yeah, t-shirts, yeah. right? But if I thought about stepping away from the ministry, what I would lose is all these relationships that I have with staff members, mm-hmm. with other small group leaders, with yeah, with my coach, that yeah. kind of stuff that I'm like, I, don't, I wouldn't want to work or volunteer in another area of the church because I'm so invested, not just in my t-shirt collection, but in the relationships. <laughs> Which is a nice I, one at that. <laughs> yeah. But the relationships I have. Well, no, I love working with Tyreek and Ash and, yeah. and Jen McMillan and that kind of a thing. Like those are, that's my team. And I think that's, uh, that's a huge part of it too is, like you said, don't neglect your current volunteer staff to find new staff, make sure you retain those people too. And that'll keep them sticking around too. A few weeks ago, um, CJ, when I was observing your the small group leader training that was happening at North Point Community Church, I got to sit in. Did I tell you guys this already? No, I haven't heard I this. got to sit in um, in one of CJ's classes <laughs> where Tyreek, the, the group's director, was, was teaching about like partnering with parents or whatever. And Tyreek just is owning the room. He's amazing. All of a sudden he stops and he's like, you you, you know, who's doing this amazing is CJ Palmer. And he throws the baton to CJ Palmer and CJ then kind of leads the room in a discussion of how he's been partnering with parents for the last, like, I don't know, 13 years or whatever (laughs) you've been doing this. And I thought to myself, that's really good leadership on Tyreek's part Mm -hmm. is he sees a volunteer who's killing it in that area. And that's going to make CJ like, I mean, he's using his gift there to lead other people and that's going to fill him. Yeah, totally. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I went home and this is the first thing I told my wife, Terry, is, <laughs> yeah. guess what? Yeah. You know, so he didn't set you up? You know, uh, no. Oh, no, he Tyree didn't. He, he totally... Uh, uh, set him up next time. He, but anyway. By surprise. <laughs> yeah. but, but I'm sure you killed it. <laughs> but I mean, but it is those small things like, oh, Tyreek knows my name. I'm in a class with all these other yeah. small group leaders and he he built me up. and mm. he, he was training he, you, he, investing yeah. you. And he you leaned on that personal relationship to make me make sure I felt valued and, yeah. and, and that kind of a thing. And that goes, that's free. Yeah. And that goes so much further than the free t-shirt, right? It's yeah. not only free, then he doesn't have to write a training because, <laughs> you know, I mean, Tyreek has tons to do. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, uh, <laughs> are there any other, uh, I don't want to miss any other ideas that you guys had as far as, hey, what do we need to be doing to make sure that we're building this team of yeah. 
uh, staff volunteers. Well, I think it, I think you expect more out of them than you're comfortable with. Is like a good rule of thumb. Like, and by expect, I mean you you ask them, but they can feel that. I I, I just think about camp. We would go to camp, and our coaches were expected to come to camp with us because we could never pull camp off without them. You know, and so it wasn't just this is your expectation. It was we're in this together, and we're never going to be able to pull this off. And I just think about eleven thirty, eleven forty five, midnight having the meeting at the end of the day and then figuring out what's going to go next and then figure, you know, figuring out who got assigned to what. And my favorite part was sending the coaches out and they were, um, they were supposed to be security. But in that meeting, we talk about, Hey, you're not really security. You're just driving around. So the kids see that there is security. Your job is to get eyeball to eyeball with every small group leader and make sure they're okay. It's the most important job of the day. Yeah. Mm. And why don't you take some water with them <laughs> you're right. with yeah. you, you know, hand them a bottle of water, make eye contact, Make sure they're okay. And that's an important job. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, you don't have to... Just, again, I, when I first started, would never have thought of expecting coaches to come to camp like that. That's a whole weekend. But I think sometimes, though, we get scared of the ask. Yeah. And I had a senior leader once was like, why are you so hesitant? You're inviting someone in to be part of a life change that God is doing in the life of these students. Why are you so hesitant to invite somebody into that? Right. Like that should be like, oh my gosh, you get to do this? You get to. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's a good point. Just the way you say those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, awesome. And even the, it's the invite. And like, like Chef was saying, you know, with the coaches, you know, the highest level volunteer in, in transit, that was an invite only position. And it's that, that ex- exclusivity, that invite thing that, that reminds that volunteer, like, Hey, this is significant. Mm-hmm. And this is not just anybody. This is you that we want to give you this. There's a, there's a weight to that, that I think draws people in as well. Absolutely. Well, friends, any final thoughts here on hiring staff without paying them as we enter our fall ministry season here? I'd say look for the volunteers that are passionate about something and they already have energy around it rather than having to like create energy because right. they're the ones that are going to like sprint yeah. across the finish line mm-hmm. with it. There's a book out called uh, The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. It's about hiring staff, but I love, to, I love to give it to people and say, read it as though you're recruiting volunteers. So are they humble, they're hungry, and they're smart? And you know, with that, um, not everybody gets to be a volunteer. Right in your ministry, it's a gifting thing, yes. right? And um, though it's hard, and you you need to help them find where they fit, the message is clear to the volunteers on your team. I had a leader one time that said I would have a list so long of people that want to be a part of it that I would have like this waiting to get into ministry, and I was like, "Have you ever been a youth pastor?" Um, <laughs> right. Because there's never a wait list to be a volunteer. But it really got to that point when you do a ministry with excellence. And the invitation is so important to be on that team, the elite piece of it. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. And as we wrap up here, if you've made it this far into this episode, we have a little surprise for you. So we have an editable file of youth ministry job descriptions. So if you're uh, listening to this and you're trying to figure out, hey, where do I start with all of this? You need to visit our show notes, download this editable file, and it'll be a great place to start as you figure out, hey, what positions do I need to hire for in this upcoming ministry year? So that'll be in our show notes. And you can find those at rethinkingym.org. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast through your podcast app. And uh, while you're there, leave us a review. Your review will help us make this podcast better. And finally, for more great resources and to download the editable file of youth leader job descriptions, visit our website, rethinkingym.org. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.